Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year from us all at TNT Radio. You're with Hervoye Morich on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Thank goodness it's Friday. Hello, world. 2023 and head into 2024. This will be my last broadcast for a while as uh, here at TNT Radio will be on a brief Christmas uh, break and then uh, I'll be back towards the second half of next week. We we have uh, the next two hours. Uh, John, I always get his last name wrong. John Leesk of Madness of Crowds dot uh, substack dot com contrarian investor he'll be on first hour and jose nino will be joining us the second hour to round things out to talk to uh, affairs foreign and domestic as i like to as i like to say and as you can see here uh, on friday some people do hawaiian shirt uh, friday here we do tnt radio shirt friday i'm donning my uh <laughs> TNT Radio merch and so so is Ruckus as you'll see in a bit uh and um don't forget our merch store uh, as well you can buy a lot of stuff uh, I've even got the the mouse pad here as well so uh all right what do we got going on in the the world uh basically regime scientists explain how doing your own research makes it difficult for them and the regime to keep perpetuating their false narratives and conspiracy theories so stop doing your own research that's my translation of this Vice article that just dropped. Scientists explain why doing your own research leads to believing conspiracies. Researchers found that people searching misinformation online risk falling into data voids. That's a new one that increase belief in conspiracies using online search engines to vet conspiracies can actually increase the chance that someone will believe it, fall down the rabbit hole. The researchers point to a known problem in search called data voids. I mean, I can't look at this stuff seriously. Sometimes there's not a, a lot of high quality information to counter misleading headlines or surrounding fringe theories. So when someone sees an article online about an engineered famine due to COVID lockdowns and vaccines and conducts an unsophisticated search based on those keywords, they, might, they may find articles that reaffirm their bias. I mean, do AI bots put this stuff out? Or this is written by Mirjam Gueskin. I don't know how Mirjam sleeps at night. Um, honestly, I hope she gets paid well for the this propaganda that she puts out. But hey, uh, all right. What else we got going on? Trump asking allies about possibility of Nikki Haley for vice president. Sorry, Trump fans out there. I mean, the fact that Trump is asking about the possibility of uh, neocon Nikki, the second coming of Hillary Clinton uh, as a possible VP candidate. Houston, we have a problem that tells you that either he's not so not that intelligent um, or he, he he's in, uh, you know, he's compromised in some way. I think, you know, a fifth grader by now would know that Nikki Haley, you know, we've been talking about this with my guests this week as well. Neocon Nikki. Sorry, Donald. Something, you know, something is rotten in the state of Denmark there. Uh, we, we've been talking about satanic statues recently. I think uh, the one in Iowa and apparently now the satanic temple of Michigan has put up a sat Satan statue in front of the Michigan capital. So again, a sign of the times. Satan is right out in our faces, yet a lot of people still refuse to believe uh, that there is a real entity going going to and fro upon the earth, uh, that there's a real entity, uh, Lucifer, Satan, the devil, going to and fro upon this uh, earth. Americans are dreading the holidays. One in three go into debt to pay for holiday shopping you gotta keep up with the joneses uh right going deeper into debt during the holidays is a reality many americans faced face as the co cost of living continues to go up you know simple rule don't keep up with the joneses uh you know if, if there are people um you know if, if you've got friends or fair weather friends um who tend to be vain uh don't try and keep up with them live within your means if it even if it means you know having a low-key 
uh, dinner, not going out, uh, you know, just try to stay out of debt. I, I, I got no debt. I'm happy living <laughs> debt-free life. Uh, what, what can I tell you? Uh, also, the Hyperloop One goes bust reportedly as the next-gen high-speed transit across the U.S. fails. Not that I was really optimistic uh, about it. It was once backed by Richard Branson's Virgin Group, uh, but I believe uh, Elon Musk was involved with that. And again, not looking good for the U.S. Many other. I was just thinking about this today. How in developing countries like here in Mexico, um, you know, or Kazakhstan, where I was living, you've got faster internet speeds in some developed countries, and um, we're building out infrastructure trains here in Mexico and elsewhere. Meanwhile, the the, the developed West is falling behind uh, in that regard. What else we have that's uh, interesting uh, here? Honda is going to recall 2.6 million U.S. vehicles to replace fuel pumps. There was a story some weeks ago about another uh, automaker recalling tens of millions of, of, of vehicles. It's kind of odd that that's all happening at the same time. It kind of plays into this idea of, of them wanting to take away our gas-powered cars. And on that subject as well, only half of all Ford dealers agreed to sell EVs next year it's too costly and certified ford ev dealers were once uh, required to spend half a million dollars just for a single public dc fast charger um no wonder they they don't want to jump on board you see how expensive um it is selling evs uh, owning evs as i keep saying it's part of the neo-feudal project um we don't have the infrastructure so that everyone you know thomas massey said we would have to um build out the electric grid in the u.s three times um you know three times as much as what we have right now so um it's it's a neo-feudal project only they, they only want a few people driving cars um and we've got uh well we'll get to the stories uh um in, in the next hour, but a reminder that at TNT Radio, we never go home. We're committed to bringing you our take on the biggest topics of our time. We're broadcasting live 24-7 online globally. No matter what, we got you covered on TNT Radio. It's the stuff. What citizen wouldn't want to make American great again? People are talking about. Vilifying MAGO is just not going to work. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. After weeks of negotiations on Friday, today, the UN Security Council passed a resolution to enhance humanitarian aid to Gaza, with the United States abstaining and Russia also abstaining after a softened stance on Israel's control over aid deliveries. Here with the story, joining me now is TNC Radio News producer Adam Clark, a.k.a. Ruckus. Thanks, Harori. So, yes, it passed in the 15-member UNSC with the support of 13 members because, as you mentioned, Russia, the United States, who both have veto power as permanent members, elected to abstain. Uh, the successful passage of the resolution today came two weeks after the U.S. vetoed an earlier resolution that called for an immediate ceasefire in the Israel-Hamas War. This latest UNSC resolution drops the call for a full and immediate ceasefire in favor of increased humanitarian aid efforts during the ongoing conflict. Russia had offered an amendment that would have expanded the measure into a call for a full suspension of hostilities, but the U.S. side vetoed the proposal. Russian ambassador to the UN, Vasily A. Nebenzia, called the resolution that passed on Friday, quote, extremely neutered, end quote, and said a full ceasefire remains an imperative. In a press statement on Thursday night, U.S. ambassador to the UN, Linda Thomas-Greenfield, insisted the Gaza resolution is not, quote unquote, watered down. On Friday, Ms. Thomas Greenfield said the resolution the UNSC finally adopted creates conditions, quote, for a sustainable cessation of hostilities, end quote, at some indeterminate point in the future. She also argued the Russian side had little right to lecture about the need for a ceasefire or claim the moral high ground on humanitarian issues as 
Russian forces continue to fight in Ukraine following their February 2022 invasion, which will be approaching a two-year anniversary before we know it. Security Council resolutions are legally binding, but in practice, many parties choose to ignore the Council's requests for action. UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres also expressed hopes that Friday's resolution would lead to eventual uh, an eventual ceasefire. Much of the negotiations for the Gaza humanitarian resolution took place between the United States and the United Arab Emirates, whose delegation sponsored the resolution. The negotiations also involved talks with Egypt, which does not currently have a seat on the UNSC, but which neighbors the Gaza Strip. The UNSC repeatedly delayed a vote on the Gazan Gaza humanitarian resolution earlier this week as deliberations continued. Uh, the vote today comes one day after the UN's World Food Program published a report finding around one in four people in Gaza face, quote, extreme hunger, end quote. This week, UNICEF Executive Director Catherine Russell also warned that Gaza is running low on clean, drinkable water and that many children will die if the situation is not addressed. The UN organization said infrastructure damage and limited energy supplies had left at least half of UNICEF's water and sanitation service facilities damaged or destroyed. So there we have it. Um, yep, that's the official news. I guess that's how it's going to be going into Christmas, Rory. But what do you think? I mean, it's it, it seems like Washington has uh, ever so slightly relented uh, there as, you know, it's being reported that the U.S. abstaining from the vote uh, has allowed the 15-member council to adopt a resolution uh, initially proposed by the UAE. And definitely there's this humanitarian crisis. Uh, people need uh, assistance. I, I was trying to find, there was this op-ed just posted here it is at RT, um, written by Abbas Juma, titled, Is Israel Ready to Start a Second War? The opening of a second front could result in disaster for Western Jerusalem. Why are politicians even discussing this? And then as well, this story from the UN published today, special reporter, Israel working to expel civilian population of Gaza, UN expert, uh, warns the special reporter, uh, Paula Gavi, Gaviria Betancourt, uh, says, quote, as evacuation orders and military operations continue to expand and civilians are subjected to relentless attacks on a daily basis. Here's the key sentence. The only logical conclusion is that Israel's military operation in Gaza aims to deport the majority of the civilian population and mass. So we keep hearing that ruckus, and I think that's the name of the game. Um, I think we're entering into these prolonged, frozen-like conflicts. You know, John Mearsheimer, Mearsheimer just said, you know, the best case scenario for Ukraine is this prolonged, frozen conflict. Um, and I, I don't see Tel Aviv capitulating um, in any way now. I think they've crossed the Rubicon, and so now they've got to double down and just the, the momentum hasn't been built, and they have to go in that direction uh, unfortunately meanwhile this is some good good news you know hopefully for the gazans for for christmas uh your your further thoughts well a lot of a lot of folks think it's just meaningless at the end of the day unfortunately um i don't know man this is this is rock because it's not gonna this isn't gonna be like the ukraine thing this is completely different we have this whole this is a flashpoint situation because of the fundamental religious stuff going on in the background behind this 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 is not going to go away it's not going to be a frozen conflict this is hot world war three like insane stuff and you know it doesn't appear as you indicated that any of the powers that be uh want to do anything seriously to stop that from happening so um and yeah i i'm skeptical that any of this humanitarian aid is actually going to do any good what good does that do if they're just going to keep bombing innocents anyways you know what i mean give them all the aid you want but if you're just going to keep doing what you're doing why bother sad to say yeah in a way it's just it's it's a band-aid you know it's a temporary um assistance for the coming weeks or, or or months and kind of as you say you know i'm just kind of afraid 
to think of the future. Uh, as you mentioned, I think for now, it's going to remain in this frozen state for the coming months. But as you say, I fear that, I mean, I've been saying it for a long time, but as we keep getting closer to this moment, I just, I'm, I'm sort of dreading it. You know, the, the, the wars just keep getting hotter uh, and hotter. Ukraine, you know, especially out there in, in, in the Middle East. And then we see preparations for the Indo-Pacific. Right, as as you were mentioned, as we were discussing the other day, and I, I forget the countries in Denmark we were discussing yesterday that the U.S. Uh, has access to their military bases now, and they're sending all these new strategic nuclear bombers all over the place, and um, uh, Philippines and, and and Japan now being able to you know swap um, soldiers in, in each other's countries. It's just not looking good. Uh, any other thought here, Ruckus? No, it's not looking good, but um, maybe, um, I hope not, but maybe we might see a New Year's Eve party to end all parties, if you know what I mean, at this rate. Maybe they'll wait until the new year uh, is 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 over. You know, I'm also wondering what will happen in in, in February, since that'll be what, I, what the, 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 the next anniversary of uh, Russia's invasion of Ukraine, what surprises await for us there? Will new pipelines be uh, hit in, in parts of the world or uh, ships, uh, you know, be, be hit given everything that's going on now with the Yemen, Yemeni fighters? It's uh, it's anyone's guess now, uh, you know, get your bingo card uh, <laughs> ready uh, and, and we'll see what happens. Uh, all right, Ruckus, we'll catch up with you. In a bit, we've got John Leesk of madnessofcrowds.com joining us to get his take on uh, what's happening in the world, the economy, U.S. politics, foreign policy, uh, and all that. Feel free to call in. We'll be right back. TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. The double standard is out there. It's so obvious. It's so frustrating. Eric Holder gets held in contempt of Congress for defying a congressional subpoena. Nothing happens. Obama's DOJ didn't pursue it. Steve Bannon and Peter Navarro defy a congressional subpoena. Joe Biden's DOJ criminally prosecutes them. Criminally prosecutes them for defying a congressional subpoena. And now we've got congressional subpoenas of Hunter Biden and James Biden, the resident's brother. And guess what? Nothing's going to be done by Merrick Garland, Barack Obama, Joe Biden's DOJ. That's right. I said Barack Obama. Obama's the shadow president. He's not the one pulling the strings. He wasn't pulling the strings in his own administration. You know, Valerie Jarrett was his minder. Where is the Iranian-born Valerie Jarrett these days? Haven't seen or heard much of her. It's because the Democrats are smart. Timothy Shea on today's News Talk TNT Radio. God's truth is enduringly true throughout all the generations. It transcends culture. The church is always going to be an embattled people. If it's swimming with the tide, it's not being the church of Jesus Christ. Look to the past, learn from the past, because the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. China has more than 200 confirmed cases of coronavirus, it's called. The entire state of California ordered to stay at home. That's 40 California has some of the strictest policies leveled against churches. Gavin Newsom's executive order threatens jail time and a $1,000 a day fine. Government stopping people from going to church, Dr. Fauci. When I went into the White House, when I sat in on the task force meetings, was a shocking level of gross incompetence. The mortality rate from the virus was 0.2%. You know, 99.8% survival, rather than the three or 4% mortality that the, the people are saying at the time. The culture and the understanding of the people of Grace Church has always been, not only do you obey government, but you honor government. Thousands of people in the streets, but you can't have church. The hypocrisy of letting people riot it helped us all understand one thing. This is not what they say it is. By meeting, we're testifying the government has no jurisdiction here. I was arrested and driven to a maximum security prison. The government has obviously uh, turned up the heat on churches. My daddy. <laughs> when the churches fall silent, the only religion left is the state. We needed to make a biblical statement because we always put ourselves under the authority of the Word of God. LA County threatened Pastor John MacArthur with jail time and arrest. We were going to be sued. They wanted Grace Church shut down. 
We wanted to go on the offensive and attack the health order as unconstitutional. This wasn't about health and safety. This was all about control and opposition to religious freedom. As the government gets more corrupt and more corrupt, snitches get rewards. Its totalitarian control has to increase. And you have to have a mask on. And as they shut down any attacks against them, this is not about freedom or personal choice. The last thing standing is going to be the church. The Net Zero Con will leave millions of citizens dependent on state handouts. It isn't a theory, it's an agenda. There is no climate emergency. On air 24-7, this is today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Returning to the Rebel Transmission, it's been a while, but uh, he's back, contrarian investor John Leesk of madnessofcrowds.com, madnessofcrowds.substack.com, where he takes advantage of people's herd mentality, namely through a conservative but lucrative options trading strategy. Welcome back, John. Good to be back. Good to see you. It's it's good to see you for the first time. The audience can see you now for the first time as well. Uh, you know, before it was audio only, and you know, of course, we met uh, at the Ron Paul conference. Was that was in Texas back in uh, June? Uh, so that was a lot mm -hmm. of fun. Uh, hopefully, I, we, we get to meet uh, again. And you know, so much is going on. Um, but uh, I was looking at some of the stuff that you've been commenting on, and uh, you know, it it, it was. Uh, not too long ago, but I still want to get your thoughts on on your your, your post related to Kissinger passing uh, at the ripe old age of a hundred, and and Charlie no. uh, Munger uh, at I think ninety nine, just sh one month shy uh, of a hundred. And I think because you're in, you you deal more in the investment space, financial world, I you've got more much more to say than I do related to Charlie Munger. But you know your thoughts on. Uh, these guys uh passing the the evil kissinger and uh i don't know enough of charlie to to, to make an assessment of, of of him but what are you your thoughts well i'll tell you what um yeah that first of all that age is wild i uh i guess during the the covid times in 2020 i got very into reading about longevity um so it's uh you know i think most people assume 75 80 years old kick the bucket, um, you're gone. So impressive that both of them made it there. Um, I always thought it was interesting that Charlie Munger um, was able to be so old, yet I think him and Warren Buffett both drank Coca-Cola like every day. More so, I'm actually reading a biography of Munger's now because uh, I really didn't know much about him beforehand. I just knew that uh, that I, I liked his investment philosophy. But fascinating guy, kind of a rebel himself growing up. Um, he was more than happy to speak his mind, even when he offended other people. So I think that's pretty cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, they both made it to a hundred. One, one of them, I think overall I would give in terms of moral compass, I think I would give Munger an eight or a nine out of 10. Uh, he was pretty good overall. Uh, Kissinger, I would say, I don't know what a one would be, but I'd say a two or a three from Kissinger. Um, although I have to admit um, I have Henry Kissinger's book Diplomacy somewhere in that shelf behind me, um, because even though, you know, he can be a scumbag like many others, there's still a lot that you can learn, um, even if he is an evil person. And yeah, I think to one of to Munger, I said, rest in peace to uh, to Kissinger. I think I said, well, I won't say it out loud because it sounds bad, but I think I said B.I.H. <laughs> Yeah, rust in peace as that uh, the Megadeth uh, oh, I like that. album, but yeah, I was I thought you were gonna say maybe for Kissinger minus minus two, you know, minus five, uh, yeah, minus minus ten. Yeah, it's it's hard to to, to qualify that. If you just you know hold on for a moment, John. We're gonna jump to our headlines. We'll be right back. Exciting news! Brace yourself. TNT Radio News. For TNT Radio News, this is James O'Neill. 
The U.S. Supreme Court has decided not to expedite a significant case concerning former President Donald Trump's claim of immunity from prosecution for actions taken during his presidency. The United States has plans to redevelop the Tinian North Airfield, a Pacific Island airstrip historically used in World War II as part of its strategy to address the growing influence of China in the region. Prime Minister Mark Rutte of the Netherlands has announced plans to start the process of delivering U.S.-manufactured F-16 fighter jets to Ukraine. Are you enjoying listening to TNT Radio? Do you think we're doing a good job? Then please let us know. Why not leave us a like or a positive review or comment on Facebook, Gab, or Getter? Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. We're talking to John Leesk of madnessofcrowds.com, madnessofcrowds.substack.com. Subscribe to uh, the website and find him on Twitter, X at John Leesk. And so much is going on, uh, John, in the economy, um, U.S. politics, foreign policy. You've been chiming in on Israel-Palestine as well, uh, Ukraine. Um, what are some of the top things you, you've been looking at? Um, let's see, I guess a big one, um, the gold price has finally, um, come back to maybe, I don't know, from my perspective, it's still undervalued since it didn't move a whole lot, even after all the money printing and, um, the PPP loans and all that in 2000. So it's weird that it's not higher, but it's at least over $2,000 an ounce again. So nice to see movement there. Um, because it moved kind of diverged from silver. I actually went ahead and bought um, several 10 ounce bars of silver because that's always nice to have. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's obviously there's always a lot going on, but uh, economically speaking, I'm trying to, I don't know. I've been looking a lot at shipping stocks, uh, shipping um, and uranium, always gold mining companies as well always trading options on it. Um, Javier Millet, now I've been looking a lot at uh, Argentina for both their uh, their huge um, national oil company, which now they're trying to privatize actually because of Millet, which is great. Um, and yeah, it's, a, it's an exciting time and always fun to see a, a political change like that, which can change dramatically um, the investment landscape for a particular country. Um, I know Doug Casey has had property in Argentina for a really long time and basically assumed that that was probably the worst possible timing and investment of his career. And now he's starting to think maybe that it won't be so bad. And in fact, I think he's pretty optimistic and, and hopeful that it might turn out to be the best investment of his life. We'll see. Yeah, and maybe on that note with uh, Millet, uh, I like uh, you. You you reposted this. We can't say a retweet anymore from Austin Peterson. Uh, quote: I I thought this was amusing. I wake up. Javier Millet has destroyed nine government agencies. I go to sleep. Uh, I wake up. Millet has introduced a mass deregulation plan. I go to sleep. I wake up. Millet is crushing communist rioters. I never wish to sleep <laughs> ever. Uh, Again, uh, also, he's elim eliminates women, gender and diversity uh, ministry. So, you know, on the face of it, it seems like he's doing some good things. There has been criticism, right, that he's very close, um, you know, to the Zionists. Um, on one hand, I think he was pro, was he pro Zelensky, kind of pro Ukraine? Um, yeah. -ish. So. If, but, you know, you, you can't you can't get everything you want. But I also have a fear. We could have. We could have. We elected Ron Paul, but yeah, you're right. Not uh, not everyone's like him. <laughs> but do you think there's a danger if he goes, if we go to one extreme of deregulation and privatization, that we could get you know these globalist oligarchs buying everything uh, up again? Or in, I mean, it, I am a fan of you know getting rid of government, you know, sizing down uh, the government. But you know, any further thoughts on on the wrecking ball that is Millet um, and uh, any other? similar trends you know you've got i think victor orban is is pretty good as a wrecking ball i like him uh and and you know is the pendulum swinging um globally so to speak i think it is i mean everywhere you look um it looks to be positive change i think i told you about this before but every week i feel one way and then the following week i feel another way from pessimistic to optimistic pessimistic to optimistic um I think Orban is a good example. In fact, I went to uh, I went to Hungary a couple months ago for a kind of an investment trip and spent a few days in Budapest. And um, 
that country is doing something right. I know, I mean, he, the mention of Viktor Orban triggers people just like uh, uh, Bolsonaro or Trump, or I think people still don't really know what, what to think about Millet because anarcho-capitalism is such a foreign concept to most people. Um, but I think I see positive trends all around. And I think that Ron Paul can really be credited with so much of that because he got that conversation going. The fact that I think Vivek Ramaswamy and um, uh, maybe DeSantis, for sure RFK Jr., they've all commented recently um, about the Federal Reserve and how, I mean, they haven't said we need to end it, but even talking about it in conversation shows that uh, Ron Paul's influence from, you know, more than a decade ago is still having um, ramifications for for the positive side. Um, on top of that, it doesn't exactly relate to, you know, world leaders or anything, but it's just uh, a sign of the times. The fact that Elon Musk owns Twitter, X, whatever, and uh, and now Alex Jones is back on there. And I know that that's another name. Every, every name that I like to follow triggers people, but uh, the fact that he's back on, I think is a big deal in terms of protecting free speech and giving a platform to people, whether you like their views or not. I think that's important. Um, so yeah, I see very, very positive trends, which is fantastic. And maybe in 2024, we'll have, um, let's see, the first president who's been impeached twice and indicted like four or five, six times, maybe elected from prison, who knows? <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe get your further thoughts on that. I, I, was, a, I was a bit dismayed just before logging on to this uh uh live stream live broadcast trump today just reported trump asking his allies about what do you think of me having nikki bailey nikki haley as vice president and i'm like you know neocon nikki as i call her the second coming of hillary clinton come on trump donnie uh i don't know you know what what is he thinking there but you know also the this new trailer of this movie that just came out that will be coming out in april about a civil war um you know the the regime the deep state the powers that be are telegraphing some of their hopes you know they're, they're trying to artificially polarize the population you know it seems like you know whether it's the blm's antifas or the the MAGA crowd none of them want civil war yet but it seems like you know the dhs the fbi they want to get that fire stoked and so you know any, any other thoughts on as on us as we head into 2024 and then you know there's talks talk about cyber attacks right you mentioned supply uh, shipping supply chains i'm reading now because of the stuff that's going on with the rebels um uh in, in yemen and, and elsewhere um shipping is now taking 30 percent longer they're they're, they're adding the, the cost uh you know the the manufacturers are increasing the prices for the consumer uh and so you know just a whole host of issues it seems like the perfect storm 2024 your your, your thoughts there yeah um i have a a few thoughts things so global i guess there's globalization and there's globalists globalists bad globalization i think overall is good maybe except for the part where cultures start to sort of mesh together and then cultures from 100 years ago no longer exist because now you have this brand new kind of um, averaged out culture. So maybe that's kind of a negative, but, uh, you know, free trade over the globe. I think that's fantastic. But I think we're seeing that that's now going away um, because this Schwabian effect from the from the COVID times. Um, now it seems like to benefit quote unquote, to benefit the local economies, they're almost forcing any foreign product from coming into the countries, which then artificially creates jobs, it makes prices higher. And um, I mean, it's a disaster, but uh, I guess then presidents can stand up whether it doesn't matter what country they're in and say, oh, look, I created all these jobs and now we don't bring in foreign product to destroy the market. And um, anyway, that's a that's a shit show. But um, you mentioned, yeah, the the like if there's an EMP attack or uh, something like that and what might happen to the grid. Uh, there's actually a film, I think it's already been released, featuring Dennis Quaid. Um, it's kind of a documentary. I think, is it Grid Down? You're familiar with this? Something like that. Yeah, I, I've seen it. It's fantastic. I, I think I had on okay. one of the producers on the program. Uh, fantastic film, yeah. Cool. Yeah, so I... Uh, the I think the the owner or the guy that basically funded the film, his name is David Tice. And he, in fact, 
helped fund a film that I invested in that features a lot of people from the Mises Institute. It's called uh, The Housing Bubble. Um, and it's a great film that I learned about at, uh, at a conference in Freedom Fest many years ago. And uh, I met the director, very cool guy, a great film featuring like Doug Casey and uh, Gene Epstein and Jeff Deist. It's a, it's a good film. So it's nice to, like I said, there's a lot of positive tre uh, trends in motion. And I think, yeah, room for negativity isn't there so much. To your point about the Civil War coming, if, if something like that comes, I think that is what um, what the power elite want, but it looks more and more like people are over that. Um, you mentioned vaccines to people today, and most people, even if they got vaccinated, they realized that it was uh, a total scam. And they, yeah, I think people are over the BS. So maybe they'll try to push for civil war, but it looks like, I mean, again, this country elected Donald Trump, anti-establishment and, uh, and even though that's my favorite part about these debates, the, I mean, Nikki Haley's boring. Chris Christie sucks. Um, Ron DeSantis is boring. Vivek is wild um, and exciting to watch. But uh, even after all that, Trump is still leading in the polls like at 65 or 70 percent. So this is, I mean, wild times and exciting. Yeah, and you mentioned normies. I mean, j just last night here in in uh, Mexico, I was chatting with some Mexicans, and and few a few of them fully, you know, on board. That one of them asked me, um, "Hey, I'm vaccinated. I still haven't died." You know, like trying to make fun, and uh, and we were talking climate change. I mean, they 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 bought into the whole climate change thing. We were passionately arguing <laughs> all uh, evening, and so. You know, e even out here in Mexico, they've they've captured people's uh, minds on some of these subjects. But I, I did want to go back, you know, speaking of positive trends and you mentioned uranium uh, and, you know, I spent three years in Kazakhstan, which has the, mm -hmm. the monopoly on uranium, 40 percent Kazatomprom. Um, mm -hmm. And I, 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 I initially I was going to create a, a stock account, an investment account in Kazakhstan in the I, they've got two exchanges now and I forget the names, but. Uh, COVID hit and I ran back to Mexico. So I never ended up opening the account um, because I, I had wanted to invest in um, uranium there. And I told my Kazakh friends. Uh, and then later I saw the Kazatomprom stock uh, at, at least tripled because I think mm -hmm. uranium now is going up. Uh, we just saw COP, COP out, as I call it, COP 28. Uh, 20 countries said they're going to triple their investment in in. Um, and, and nuclear. And so things just look up for nuclear. Any, any thoughts on uranium and uh, nuclear? Yeah. So I, uh, I've i always been, I guess, adjacent to the energy industry. My my dad was uh, in oil and gas for all of his career. Um, I now uh, am in the oil and gas slash steel industries. Um, and energy has always been fascinating to me. Um, and maybe six or seven years ago, uranium got on my radar because uh, I think it was selling at like $20 per pound or even less than that. I think it bottomed maybe at 16 or $17 per pound. That was six or seven years ago. So people were saying, look, we need energy from somewhere. And unless we want to live in, uh, I think I've said this to you before, in, in teepees or yurts um, with no electricity and just fires and stuff, um, you know, we need a lot of energy to live the way that we live today. Um, so yeah, now uranium is something, I think it's at over $70 per pound. So it's um, quadrupled or quintupled um, over many years. And most of that movement's happened in the last year, year and a half. Um, I think uranium miners are the place to be. I think I'm, I'm totally against the ESG crap and the clean energy excitement and all that. But I think uranium is fantastic because it is clean and it really has, I can't remember what uh, energy density, that's what it is. It's like the most dense form of energy that we know on the planet. And we don't take advantage of it because, yeah, there were a couple mishaps in the last 30 years in Japan and in, uh, 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 where was that, in Russia. Um, so anyway, I think it's a great spot to be. And I'm very pleased to see that there's so much investment going on in there. Yeah, I mean, you know, China's building nuclear reactors like crazy. Uh, Russia uh, is, is famous for building nuclear reactors for um, foreign countries. When I was in Russia, I talked with, uh, I'm forgetting his name now, I mean, he, he um, Bodrov. Uh, anyways, he, he talked about the Russian nuclear industrial 
um, complex. Uh, it's time for our break. John, again, the website, madnessofcrowds.com, madnessofcrowds.substack.com. People can leave questions. People can call in or leave a question in the chat. We'll be right back. De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective. Ignorance and arrogance is going to take down freedom in the Western democracies. I don't even know if you want to call it a democracy anymore. I'm going to, again, give you some linkage over here because I like to see how things are all linked together. Now, in climate, a lot of people, because of the education system, not only in the United States, but over in Europe and in Australia, are ignorant about what is actually going on. They're also arrogant in their beliefs. In other words, they are so confident of what they know because of what they don't know that they're able to try to sway things in the way they do and they accept whatever they're told. Now take this latest situation going on in the United States where a major presidential candidate is being banned, supposedly, from a state ballot because he was involved in an insurrection. First of all, no one charged him with insurrection. Secondly, it's just a bunch of people that have been calling it an insurrection. I mean, basically had 200 maniacs that rioted while a couple of thousand people were protesting peacefully. But you see what I'm talking about? I've been listening to commentary on it today and people are totally ignorant of the U.S. Constitution on the matter. For instance, you know it's Congress that has to enforce the law, right? Well, he's not even charged with it in the first place. Now you say, Okay, you're bringing this in. Again, how does that have to do with climate? Ignorance and arrogance. Those are the two weapons. The only way to fight it, you have to stand for the truth. This is TNT Climate and Weather Watchdog meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you got. Our beautiful world is changing, withering, dying by the hands of those who don't value nature even though we all depend on it for life itself. But there is hope. Together with caring friends, the Nature Conservancy can restore our lands, heal our waters, and save our wildlife with big solutions only nature can provide. But every day we lose more of the places we love, and we urgently need to save endangered lands, waters, and wild species. The actions we take today will determine the tomorrow we leave to our children and grandchildren. The water they drink, the air they breathe, the beauty they experience. To learn more about how you can help protect and conserve our beautiful world, visit nature.org today. This is the Hervoy Moritz Show on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. All right, it's our final segment here with John Leesk of madnessofcrowds.com, madnessofcrowds.substack.com. Um, and maybe to get your thoughts on foreign policy, you've been commenting on that. I really enjoyed, um, you shared this story recently from uh, Lou Rockwell, and it was um, talking about Putin um, and how Putin was admitting that he was naive and um, coming to the realization now that the West wants to destroy you know what, what they call it is the, the rest the, the west wants this strategic defeat of, of russia to just defang it dismember it deconstruct it the de decolonize it um and 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 so forth and so it, it seems like the the whole ukraine project is failing um any thoughts uh on that and then the the wider wars that are going on israel palestine against china and so forth yeah, so this morning, I don't know why I do this to myself. Well, yes, I do. I like to know what uh, what these people are up to. So sometimes I listen to people that I really despise, but it uh, it at least lets you know what they're thinking. So um, I can't remember what what channel this was on, but Lindsey Graham was on with, uh, I don't even know her name, some mainstream show, and they were asking him for updates about what's going on before the end of the year. Of course, they asked him about immigration, Ukraine, and Israel-Palestine. And uh, I guess he's been talking a lot more about Palestine and Israel and immigration rather than Ukraine. So the lady asked him, OK, so are you done with 
wanting the funding for Ukraine? Like, is that war sort of a done deal and we're moving on? And of course, being Lindsey Graham, he said, no, 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 no. We have to do it on all fronts. We need to do all at the same time. Um, and he even admitted this was pretty amazing. He admitted that because of our support for Israel uh, over the last few months since uh, since October 7th, that he fully expects another 9-11 uh, and some kind of jihad coming up. And he thinks it's going to happen through the border of Mexico and the U.S. Um, because they're upset that we're defending Israel or, I guess, on their side. So it's, uh, I mean, they understand how this works, but it's just a game of, of chicken that keeps getting worse and worse. And yeah. Um, well, I can't remember if it was Jefferson or Washington that said, um, friends with all nations, uh, allies with none, but, uh, we're far from that sadly. Yeah. And the whole thing about foreign, um, entanglements. And I think you also made a post on, you know, wh what happened with the Hamas attack in October, but, uh, again, with what's going on with Israel uh, and Palestine, uh, th this plan apparently to expel Palestinians uh, to Egypt. Uh, you know, they're even talking about having them come to the U.S. And uh, you know, there's a greater Israel uh, project. And you know, nothing special about Israel. Amer many countries or empires uh, have this. You know, project. Washington, since forever, wants to take as much uh, global territory as it can. Uh, you know, even Russia, I think, it views itself as a civil. You know, even Dugan uses these terms like civilizational state and. Um, even they want to shore up their borders and take whatever remaining um, ambiguous territories that they can. And everyone wants to do that. And so any thoughts on Israel, Palestine? My fear is that what's going on can be used as a pretext for a wider war against Iran. We know that the neocons have been dreaming forever about war with uh, Iran. And so, uh, you know, any thoughts on uh, on the Middle East? Yeah, it's, uh, it's amazing to me that that Iran, it's like it pops up into the narrative every three or four years. Uh, basically, once things got quiet and you don't hear the word uh, Iran get mentioned in, I guess, the, the, the national conversation, if it's not mentioned for one or two months, then you know it's about to come back because it's, you know, we have we still have neocons and they still have some degree of power and they can't wait to to go stick it to the Iranians. But it uh Essentially, the reason I got into politics was because of foreign policy, um, largely because of Ron Paul's commentary on it. Um, I Up there with Henry Kissinger, I would put John McCain, uh, and I think he famously had that silly song that he'd made up, bomb, 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 Iran. Um, and later on, I said, oh, I was just kidding. You know, it's a joke. Well, that's a very strange joke to make um, to, uh, you know, uh, if I'm... I guess I don't know this, but Iran's a nuclear power, right? Well, I guess that's the that's the debate. <laughs> Do they, are they or are they not? Um, but yeah, I, I recall all of those debates with with Ron Paul, where he was always on the stage alone, saying, "Guys, let's let's relax and remember that these are people, um, whether they're in the government, whether it's the Ayatollah, whatever. These are people, and they can act rationally and in their self interest. So maybe let's not poke the bear." or whatever animal you want to use as the metaphor for Iran. Um, otherwise, yeah, I, I guess if we push far enough, they probably will try to get their own uh, their own nuclear weapon. Um, I, I can't remember the name of the project, but it was the CIA project where they actually spun the, um, I can't even remember what, what, what it was, but they they hacked into the equipment and basically Stunt made that, I think. Yeah, that was it. That was it, exactly. Um, I remember reading about that, and that's kind of... I guess when I when I sided with uh, with the libertarians on this and said, yeah, you know what, <laughs> we need to get rid of the CIA, the FBI, the NSA. Um, you know, we need we need a Javier Millet in the U.S. Imagine that an Argentinian president for the U.S. <laughs> and it's funny you mentioned Ron Paul. Every few weeks, um, something happens, whether it's this related to Iran or Argentina or whatnot. And people are pulling up old, ancient clips of Ron Paul where he said exactly that. Uh, and it's happened. And so uh, I just had it. I just couldn't believe this year has been wild for me getting uh, to meet Ron Paul, had him on my podcast, uh, hanging out at Daniel McAdams house. Uh, 
so much fun. Time is flying, John. We're down to three minutes to midnight. Um, you know, and and any other wow. thoughts? I like that you're so optimistic. Um, so white pilled, so to speak, going into twenty twenty four. That's very um good, very cool. Uh, you know, and other thoughts as well as you know tips for people when it comes to looking uh, broadly places to invest uh, or prepare for, for difficult times or any, you know, geographic locations that are interesting for you around the world? Um, yeah, now next week, I'm, I'm going to try to maintain my positivity. Um, we'll, we'll see if, if there's any major changes. I absolutely believe that there's going to be some kind of um, collapse, but I guess I've, I've prepared for it enough that, um, you know, it'll probably affect most other people a lot more than it'll affect me. So that's another reason to be optimistic. <laughs> um, in terms of, I don't know, I, I've gone to Wyoming uh, a few times for work this year, and I'm always fascinated. I think it's the least populated state um, in the country, um, not even per capita, but it's it's got a whole bunch of land, and I want to say 600,000 people. Um, it's crazy. And anytime I drive through there, I think, you know, maybe it'd be nice to have a house here and be far away from all the crazy people, very much inland, not near anywhere where people even want to go. Um, so pretty safe. But then I think about the winters and that doesn't sound so appealing. Um, I think Texas is a pretty cool spot to be. It takes like, I think it's 11 or 12 hours from the west side to the east side of Texas. So there's still a lot of land available. Um, whether, you know, setting up a farm or just a place that's super far away from everything, um, low cost of living. Yeah. Now I don't know how, but I'm becoming a huge proponent of the U S again, not the U S government, but, uh, you know, the, the land and, and the people, I think, I think we've still got a long horizon ahead of us, which I like. And as Warren Buffett, since we brought him up earlier, he always said, uh, never bet against America. I don't always agree with that, but since I'm in the optimistic mood, I'll say never bet against America. Although I'll tell you this, keep an eye out. I'm uh, I'm trying to finish this article that I, I've been writing on Hungary um, as possible, I guess, in terms of both living there as well as possibly investing. Yeah, Hungary is not bad. And the American redoubt, right? Uh, Wyoming, uh, Montana, Texas, uh, you know, if also good options. It's always great to chat. John, uh, real quick, tell us where are the best places we can find you on in the metaverse? Uh, for sure, I would say on X, um, at John Leesk. And then uh, you mentioned my website a few times, madnessofcrowds.com. I try to add resources to it all the time. I have a bunch of reading lists on there, as well as my newsletter, as well as some COVID-19 and even climate change articles and videos, because it's mostly for myself, just so that I can you know, mm -hmm. reach out and, and check things out. But I think it's a great resource. We're out of time. All right. Have a great new year. Hopefully you come back in 2024.